Romans chapter number 6. We'll just read a few verses uh, beginning in verse number 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. We'll stop right there. That's a whole lot of reading, probably never cover that. I don't know that I've ever thought about this in this way. Uh, you know, we think a lot of times about salvation as being saved from hell. And certainly salvation is uh, uh, being delivered from... You know, what, what does it mean to be saved from hell? You know, really, the devil's got nothing to do with that. I realize maybe... Hollywood or popular opinion has in the minds of man that the devil's down in hell and he's ruling over that place. But we can read in Revelations that, that the dragon's going to be cast into the lake of fire. So that lake of fire, that's not the devil's realm. That's God's wrath. He says this in John chapter 3. This is uh, John the Baptist speaking. Uh, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So what that hell, being saved from hell, really that's being saved from the wrath of God. And hell, we can read even the teaching of the Lord Jesus, that hell was made, created for the devil and his angels. God made that as a place of torment and punishment for Satan and all of his followers and those uh, that go after him, all of those that rebel against the truth. So when I say that I'm saved from hell, uh, that's got nothing to do with the devil. So what? What? There's, there's more to this work than just being saved from hell. That's, that's in the future, uh, and certainly that'll become true, but there's a part of this salvation that's for us today. So if you look through some of the New Testament at what the Bible says about the devil, in Corinthians, he's the God of this world. In Ephesians, he's the prince and the power of the air. And in Revelations 12, you'll read that he's got, with great wrath, filled with wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So he's not 
He's not an eternal being that's overseeing hell and if we don't come to Jesus, then the devil's going to get us. It's not really the devil that we are to fear. It's God that we ought to fear. Even, even the devils fear God. They fear and tremble at God and at His Word and at His power. So hell then, that's created by God for punishment and for wrath. So what is it then that we're saved from when we say we're delivered from the devil? Well, this world and this life is all that the devil has. That's it. When this life is over, I believe we could say that individually. When I die and leave this world, I don't have to worry about the devil anymore. His dominion over me, it's over this flesh, this carnal mind. When I leave this body, the devil has no more rule nor authority. But if if the Lord came back at this hour and the earth was burned up and the flesh of all men was to end and the great judgment was to begin... The devil's got no authority there either, does he? He's going to be judged just like we're going to be judged. He's going to be punished just like the unbelievers are going to be punished. And so the deliverance from the devil then, that's that's in this life. That's in this world. So he says here, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him. I believe we can all see that. The Lord came, a body was prepared for him. He lived in this world in a body like yours and like mine. He was delivered to the cross and there he gave his life. He was dead. They took a spear and ran through his side to to make sure. He was dead. The executioners, the masters of death in that day, they were sure that he was dead and they didn't break his legs. They brought him down and Joseph and Nicodemus, they dressed him with spices, they buried him in a tomb and on the third day he rose again. And he rose again never to die again. He didn't rise up in the same exact body that he had before. It was a new body, a glorified body and a body that would never die anymore. You see, the the dominion of the devil, he says in Hebrews, and we'll get it all put together. Just bear with us for just a minute. He says in Hebrews that he delivered them who all their life had the fear of death and destroy him that had the power of death. So when Jesus rose from the dead, the devil was conquered, had no more dominion. And so for us, just like Jesus, He lived, He died, He rose from the dead, death has no more dominion over Him. He will never die again. Likewise, in the same manner and in the same way, this is Romans 6 verse 11 right where we read, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is not something future when I die and they bury me. This is today. That like as Jesus died and rose again to new life, so also them that are born again, them that are in Jesus, they have died unto sin and resurrected in newness of life. They've been made to be new creatures in Christ. Paul says it this way in Galatians, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live 
by the faith of the Son of God. So Paul was still living. He was still breathing, still among men, but Paul was a a different man than what he was before that the Lord had saved him. He is old man. And when we say that, what are we talking about? What is the old man? Paul, Saul of Tarshish, the man and the way that that man thought and what that man wanted and what pleased that man and what that man sought after and where his labor and time and effort went, that old man had died. I believe you can look in Acts in chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and I believe you can see that. You can see the old man Saul you can see the work of God that took place on the road to Damascus and you can see the new man that resulted from that. So the old man had died and there was a new life being lived. His actions and his behavior had changed as a result of the work of God in his heart. So likewise... That's the same thing. Likewise, just as Jesus died and rose again, those that are in Christ, they have died. And and this is not a maybe. This is not a some folks so. But all of those that have experienced salvation that God has indeed saved and they're uh, on the road to heaven, as you might say. They've escaped the wrath of God. They've escaped hell. Likewise also, they are uh, uh, dead to sin and living in Jesus Christ. So verse 12, Let not sin, therefore, seeing then that we are resurrected in Jesus Christ, that the old man has passed away, a new creature in Christ has been born, that we are now living not not by the the leadership of the devil. You know, in in Ephesians chapter 2, we see that spirit of disobedience that was working in us before that continues to work in those that, that are disobedient and unregenerate. But in them that are saved, they've been delivered from that power and influence of the devil. And so therefore, we can say, let not sin reign. Now there's a power that was not there before. You see something different that's going on? You you hear that scripture in Joshua. You hear it applied to lost people every time just about it that you hear it. Where Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Well, if a lost world is under the power and influence of the devil and all they can do is the will of the devil, their father, then what choice do they have in the matter? You know who's got the power to follow and be obedient to God? Those that are regenerate. Those are the only folks that can follow. And so here, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it. That word means to be subordinate to. Let not sin be your boss. Let not the devil be the one that's uh, ordering you around and the one that you're yielded to because we have been resurrected in newness of life. We should submit ourselves unto God and obedience to Him and to His Word. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness 
unto God. So seeing this then, the Lord Jesus has wrought such great deliverance and what wondrous deliverance that the Lord has wrought. A completed work, a work that is finished, a work that from beginning to end is complete and I don't have to worry about whether something's going to be left undone, whether a a shoelace is going to be left untied, whether there's a, a jot or a tittle of the law that's been missed. The Lord has provided me a completed salvation. I don't have to fear the wrath of God any longer. I don't have to fear the judgment that's to come because I'm hid in Jesus Christ. Well, if I'm hid in Jesus, and we've got a world that loves to say that, but if I'm hid in Jesus, then then this ought to be the way my life looks because I've been raised from the dead. I'm no longer a servant of the devil or a servant of sin. So therefore, if I yield, if I submit myself unto sin, if I submit my members, my body, you know, people think, well, uh, it don't matter what my body does, it's, it's in my heart. My heart is what matters. But here, you know what he's talking about here? He's not talking about the heart. He's talking about what I'm doing with my body. He says in Corinthians, would you take the members of Christ and give them to a harlot? Would you let Christ be joined together with a harlot? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? So see, this is a work that it's more than just in the future in heaven and in glory. It affects my body too. And it affects what I do with my body. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. God's done a work in the heart, in the hidden man of the heart that you can't see. My name's written in a place that you're not able to go search it out. God has saved me from the wrath that we've not yet seen yet. And I've got a home in heaven that we can't even imagine at this time. But also with that, God has done a work in this body that changes the way the members act and behave in this world. So, neither yield ye your members to stand beside to be at hand. You know what the picture is? It's a servant at the right hand there and he's ready for a commandment. So he's saying don't let your members be ready to serve sin. Don't be ready to, uh, to obey every whim and desire of the flesh. But now that we've been bought with a price, now that we belong to God, we ought to be ready to serve and please Him. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as the instruments of righteousness unto God. So this body, when it was under the power of the devil, this body was used to serve sin and the devil. Now that I'm born again and resurrected from the dead, if I am alive from the dead, 
If I have the work of God in my heart, then my body ought to be yielded as those that are risen from the dead unto God for His service and for His righteousness. And for me to say that Christ is in me now, I'm the temple of God, I've been saved and washed and forgiven, I'm a part of the family of God, and for me to take these members and to join them unto sin is to take Christ into sin with me. I mean, that's the truth. That's the Word of God. So, you see, this is a lot weightier. A lot weightier matter than what we think of sometimes. We like to think very flippantly of sin. Very flippantly of the way that we live and behave, even to the place that what we say and what we do really doesn't matter in this life because we're sealed up in Jesus. But... Paul's addressing that here in Romans. Yea, we've got a sure justification and righteousness in Jesus Christ. And yet we've got a change that's in this life. Deliverance from the wrath of God in the future. Deliverance from the devil in this life. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin no longer is the ruler. That's what that word means. To rule over, to lord over. Sin no longer has the lordship over you, but in Jesus Christ, you've been set free from the devil. It's a change of boss. New management, if you'll have it. We once were the servants of sin. We were the servant of the devil. But now that Jesus Christ has come, this work of God has been done, we're no longer under that management any longer. Sin is no longer our ruler. I mean, that's what the Scripture says. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Now you think about that. That that don't sound right, does it? What's law and grace got to do with what I'm doing with my body? So think with me now. The law was on tables of stone. It was in the ark. It was hidden away in the holiest of holies. There dwelt God over it. And it was do this or you're going to die. Do this or you're going to be punished. And you know, in a lot of ways, we're like little young'uns. And when you're told, don't do that, inwardly, we want to do that. And so, and Paul says that of himself. The law wrote, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That rebellion and desire to go against the law of God was there. But it was a rule over our head is what it was. But now we're under grace. It's no longer something that's in a tabernacle hidden away that really don't affect me all that much. But now the influence of God is in my heart. He he says in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe, uh, he's quoting from the Old Testament about what he was going to do in Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm going to write my law in their hearts. So now the law is not on a table of stone somewhere separate, but God has written the law in my heart. There's been a work done inside of me. So while man... Now think, in the Old Testament, man might go outside of the camp and sin. That's the way man is. As long as nobody sees me and nobody really knows, it'll be all right. It's the way man thinks. 
we can get away from the tabernacle, we can get away from the temple, and God's really not going to see, and it's not really going to bother me any. But now we carry the law in our heart. God has written that law in our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. And now instead of just some rule that's over me, in me there's a desire to please God and to keep the law of God. And you know, wherever I go, we can't get away from the law of God that's in our hearts. Everywhere we go, we carry that with us. And every time that we break the law, I believe this, in the hearts of them that believe, there is a desire to please God. And when I do wrong, it, it breaks the heart of the inward man. There's sorrow there. I realize you don't see a lot of that today. The reason's because the law's not written in their hearts. They know about it. They've heard about it. They've heard about it in a temple or down at the church house. But to ever have the law of God in the heart, they've never had it. Sin doesn't have dominion anymore because it's not law It's grace. The law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus. The law was a wonderful revelation of the holiness of God, but Jesus Christ brought a work that changed me inwardly. The law never changed me. The law made me afraid. The law made me afraid of judgment and the penalty for sin, but Jesus Christ changed my desire and my nature, and I'm no longer ruled over by sin. But the Lord is ruling over me. So listen to this in Titus chapter 2, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So there he is, as we said this morning, there he is giving himself as payment for our sins and iniquities. But in the same work, He's also purifying a peculiar people. So there's deliverance from the wrath of God. There's deliverance from the devil. There's the work of God to save me from hell. And there's the work of God to deliver me from the influence of Satan in this life to purify me, to change my behavior and the way I act in this world. The way I act don't matter. The way I attend church don't matter. The way I talk doesn't matter. You know what that sounds like? That sounds to me like a bunch of folks that are unregenerate. But to them that are saved, the law of God is written in their hearts and it matters to them how they behave themselves. It does. It matters. It matters because of the grace of God that has wrought a work in the inward part of man. We read this scripture this morning. I'm going to read it one more time. In 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Do you see how these two works go together? I mean, preaching a Jesus that delivers from hell, that's a wonderful Jesus. That is the Jesus of the Bible. But with that is a deliverance from sin and the devil. We want delivered from hell, but we don't want delivered from the devil. See, that, that's not the salvation that the Lord came to pay. 
He came to deliver us completely from judgment and from wrath and from the devil and from sin also. So He's purifying a peculiar people that we being dead to sins. Don't Peter sound like he's preaching the same thing that Paul is here in Romans? That we're dead to sins and we've got a new life in Jesus Christ. That we've been resurrected. And as he says in Titus, a peculiar people, not a weird people, but a special people. The only people on the face of the earth that are not under the rule and the dominion of sin and the devil. The only people on earth that are free from His rule and His leadership. Does that mean we don't sin? See, here's the problem you run into. People want to argue, well, everybody sins. And I agree, everybody does sin. I agree. And you can't get around that. We do sin. But in the heart of the believer, there is an earnest desire not to sin. Though the flesh would rebel in the heart of the believer, there's a desire not to sin. The law of God written upon the heart has a desire to please God. I mean, did he just write it there and leave it and it's forgotten about and collecting dust? No, I believe what he's saying is here. In my heart is the law and a desire to live the law. Well, you'll never be able to live the law. I recognize that. I believe Paul recognized that too. But you know what he said? I'm striving for the mark. Day by day, I'm laboring. I'm running. I'm desiring. I'm seeking. I'm trying. You know why Paul was so zealous to keep the law of God? Because it was written in his heart. There was a love for the Savior that constrained him. So listen to this and. Uh, I, I quoted some of this. In the house of Israel after those days, I will write my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. So God's doing a work in the mind and in the heart. And do you remember what the Lord said about the Pharisees in John? They said, Abraham's our father. We've never been in bondage. We've never been servants. We're pure and we're holy and we're good. And Jesus said, and this is a total paraphrase, but Jesus said, Ye are of your father the devil. His lust you do. He was a murderer and a liar and so are you. What was their problem? They were under the rule of sin and the devil. But here, God's doing a work in the mind and in the heart and God's going to be their God. They're supreme in authority and they are going to be God's people. How's this going to happen? All by the work that the Lord Jesus Christ has done in them. So He says in 1 John 4, verse 19, you all know this verse, we love Him... Because He first loved us. He says in John 14, If you love Me, keep My commandments. Paul says in the Corinthians, For the love of Christ constraineth us. You know what's going on here? Here is a people 
that's been bought and redeemed by the very blood, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that was given. They recognized the hole of the pit that they were in. They recognized the ungodliness that they were. They see the Savior that was given for them. They've been brought from the dead and, and brought into life. They've been saved from the wrath of God. And now in their hearts, there's a love. There's an affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. A desire to please Him. And if a man loves Him, I mean, you think now, if you really love somebody, don't you think you want to please them? Would you not desire to make them happy? So that's what the Lord's saying. If you love me, keep my commandments. If there's any affection for me, be obedient to me. So He says here, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid so I believe that's a question that goes on a lot we're not under the law anymore I don't have to be afraid I'm saved and I'm right with God I'm free to sin and don't have to worry about any consequence to that that is a complete distortion of the word of God it is. That is, a comp- that, is, that is butchering the Word. By this Word, God forbid, let it never be. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In verse number 1 of this chapter, God forbid. Why is that? Because we're overlooking the work that God's doing in the heart. That question right there to somebody that's truly saved That ought to draw our heart up. We ought to say there's no way that we're free to sin. There's no way that we can continue to do that. There's no way that we can live in that manner. You know why that is? Because God's done a work in you. Can man sin? He can. Will he lose his salvation if he does? Absolutely not. He will not. Will a man continue in sin? Absolutely not. Because God's made a new creature. God's changed the man. He's changed his mind. And he's changed his heart. And he's changed his nature. He's written the law of God in his heart. The devil's been removed from the throne. He's not our ruler any longer. We're under the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Lord. He's our master. He's our God. He's the one that we love. And we want to please him. Out of the heart, the desire is to be pleasing and to live pleasing and to speak well of the one that gave himself for us. We love him because he loved us. If we love him, will we keep his commandments? I mean, is that not a reasonable And in the epistle of John, he takes it a little farther. If we love Him, we'll keep His commandments, and His commandments won't be grievous to us. You know what the law is? The law's grievous. The law's a burden. The law is something I don't want to do. I don't want to be restrained by it. I don't want to be held down by it. I'd like to be free of the law. But you know, in the heart of those 
that have been resurrected from the dead, it's not a burden to please the one that their heart loves. I believe you can look in Song of Solomon. You can see the love of two individuals and their desire is to live pleasing one to another. They delight in one another. And the Lord and His church, they delight in one another. Their desire is to please one another. He gave Himself for her that she could be clean, that she could be purified, that she could be right with God, that she could be presented a chaste virgin. Lord have mercy that a harlot could be in the family and lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. That wicked, unrighteous and ungodly and rebellious and hateful sinners could be clean in the sight of God. How, how grateful ought the church to be to the one that gave Himself for Should she not keep the commandments? Are we free to sin because we're not under the law? No, it's even tighter now than it was under the law. Do you see that? Do you see how under the law we worry about Moses seeing us or one of the priests seeing us, but as long as nobody sees us, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. That's the way they lived under the law. They had dug, uh, he took Ezekiel down. You remember, he took them to the hidden places and to the chambers of imagery. They had all of their sin covered up. Nobody knew about it. And they thought it was all right. In the flesh, that's the way we think. If nobody knows about my sin, then my sin is okay. Boy, them that are saved, they don't think like that though, do they? Because you know, wherever they go the Lord's with them. Wherever they go, the law is with them. They don't leave the temple on Sunday and leave the law hanging on the wall. But when they leave, the law is going with them. And a love and an affection for the Lord is with them as well. So God forbid, know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Boy, that sounds mighty simple but how profound those words are. Whoever you serve, that's your master. That's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? Know you not that whoever you yield yourself to, wherever your life, your behavior, your members, your mouth, your body, whatever your life is yielded to, that is your master. If you yield yourself to God, then God's your master. But if you serve sin, then how can I say that God is my master? Is that possible for me to be a servant of God and live in service to sin? By the Scripture, that is not possible. Who you yield yourself servants his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. What's happened? Can you see that something has happened in the lives of these individuals? They were 
the servants of sin. In Ephesians, ye who were dead in trespasses and sins. In Titus, ye who were sometimes disobedient. In Peter, ye who were sometimes foolish. And I may have those mixed up, but you know what I'm saying? There was a time that we were under the devil a time that we serve sin, a time that we were satisfied to do so, but there's been an event that happened that changed that nature. Get it out of the heart now. I realize there's a work in the heart, but it goes beyond the heart. This is a change of life, a change of what my members and my body is yielded to. God be thanked that you were the servants of sin... My members were once yielded to the pleasures of the flesh and of the devil and of the carnal mind. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. So what's the change been? I've come in subordination to the Word of God that was delivered to me. God delivered me a Word of redemption. God delivered me a word of salvation. God's Spirit quickened me from the death and the sin and the ungodliness that was in. God's Spirit delivered me from the darkness of the devil. He says in Colossians, I believe, that He translated us out of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. He's delivered me. And now, my servitude, my members... My body, my life, my life has been altered by what's went on in the heart. So, one more verse. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Became the servants. That's one Greek word if you look in the original. It means to be enslaved. So when I was made free from sin, he says it like this. Here's a a natural picture I believe we can see. Back in this day, there were servants, people that were owned property of others. There were bond servants, people that were servants of others for pay. And there were free men. And so Paul writes, those that are bondmen, they're the Lord's free men. But them that are free are the Lord's servants. So see, in Christ there's an equality no matter what the natural state is. And so here I believe we can see that natural picture, we can see that spiritually that I was set free from the bondage of sin and in the moment that I was free from sin and the wrath of God, I was enslaved By the Lord Jesus Christ. I left one master, a master that was mean, that hated me, that wanted me to die. I was set free from him, but I was purchased by another master. So I'm not my own free man to do however I want without any consequence. But now I'm the servant of the Lord and when I get out of line, the Lord is there to correct, to condemn, to convict, to bring me into bondage of the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is all one work. And if we're saved and free from sin and free from wrath, 
then we are the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ.